In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the third Sunday of the month of Tuba, and we read in the Gospel about how the disciples of St. John the Baptist had heard that when the Lord Christ now had come, that all of the people who were previously following John and previously his disciples and previously listening to him and coming to be baptized by him are now actually going to Christ and, and the whole focus is now changing from being about St. John to being about Christ. And they were alarmed at this. And they were coming to St. John kind of like with this, like the report that they were giving him, that they were alarmed and, 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 and kind of a little upset that this was happening. Why is it that all of these people who used to be followers of St. John the Baptist are now actually following Christ and, and, and they're becoming his disciples? But one of the, the great things about St. John the Baptist is his spirit of humility and why he was chosen to be the forerunner of Christ because he had no desire to have such a following. He had no desire to have disciples. He had no desire to have any prominent place, but he was satisfied only to do the service that he was called for, and that was it. If you look actually at the entire life of St. John the Baptist, including his miraculous birth and all the things that happened to him that we read during the month of Kiyak about his birth and how his father remained silent and how there was an annunciation about his birth and all these things that we read about. And then we don't really read anything about St. John the Baptist until the time of he begins his ministry. And the length of the ministry of St. John the Baptist was only about six months. So everything that St. John the Baptist did, as, as far as it is recorded in scripture, is only about a period of six months. All this preparation, all the things that had happened in his life, only for about a period of six months. And in this six months period, he gained, gained a lot of prominence because he was well known the people would come to him. He actually baptized the Lord Christ. He saw miracles happen when the baptism occurred. And yet now that the Lord has begun his ministry, St. John the Baptist doesn't have any role. He doesn't, his role is complete. For the most part, he's, he's diminishing. He's, he, his, his prominence is waning. People are not seeking him. They are seeking Christ. And so when he was presented with this situation, we see that he was not troubled at all. He, he, was, he was actually joyful. He felt that he is actually fulfilling his purpose that God called him for, not trying to gain more influence or to, to gain a greater following, but completely satisfied that he fulfilled the purpose that God had called him for from the beginning. And he actually, he says here in this famous verse in John 3, verse 30, he says, he must increase, but I must decrease. You know, he had no jealousy. He knew exactly who he was, and he knew what his purpose was. And he said, what? No one has received anything except what has been given to him from above. I mean, God is the one who gives. God is the one who gave me the service. God is the one who created me for this purpose. I have done my purpose, and now I am satisfied that all of the focus turn and become on Christ. So we see as one of his great characteristics, the characteristics of someone who gives of himself, someone who is a giver, someone who is not seeking to take from others or seeking to be in the spotlight, but seeks to give. What are some of the characteristics that we can learn from him and the characteristics of a giver in general that we also can apply to our lives? The first is, is a person who is truly a giver of themselves is someone who is driven by a purpose that is beyond themselves. In verse 29, we read, he who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. What does this mean? St. John was saying that the bridegroom is Christ. 
He is the one who should be the focus. He should be the center of attention. And that St. John, he is the friend of the bridegroom. He is not the center of attention. He is there rejoicing at what he sees his, the, the bridegroom is happening to him. He's rejoicing at, 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 at this process of salvation which is unfolding for the whole world. And he is not seeking again any kind of attention. He is satisfied because he sees that he is part of a greater purpose. <clears throat> he has not made everything to be about himself. He has not made it such that the goal and purpose of his life is to be prominent, is to gain influence, is to be wealthy, is to have power, is to be treated with respect. In every way, St. John the Baptist pointed to Christ. He pointed to him through his preaching. He pointed to him in baptizing him. He pointed to him in being accepting of decreasing his status and prominence in the presence of Christ. And he saw himself as having a greater purpose. And once that purpose was fulfilled, he felt like there was no need for me to be, have any role anymore. It is actually all about Christ pointing to him and directing everyone to him. He actually lost his life for what he preached. You know, he gave up, he gave up everything. And like I said, he was only in this kind of phase of the prominence of he was well known for about a period of six months right toward the end of his life. So he was very satisfied to give of himself for a purpose greater than him. And we can look at ourselves, what is our purpose? You know, we often are called to sacrifice. We sacrifice for our families. We sacrifice for friends. We sacrifice for the service of the church. Do we see ourselves as the ultimate goal? Is that my ultimate goal is to please myself. My ultimate goal is to enrich myself. My ultimate goal is to make my life secure. Or my ultimate goal is to give so that I can satisfy the purpose that God has created me for. To give to those people who are around me. To give to those people who I serve. That is the purpose. That is the reason why I'm here. And I'm satisfied to fulfill that purpose. Even if I receive nothing in return. Because my reward does not come from other people. My reward comes only from God. And he sees my service. He sees my sacrifice. And he rewards me. So that is the first characteristic of someone who gives a person driven by a purpose beyond themselves. Another characteristic of someone who gives is someone who is aware of what they are called for. They are aware of, of their calling. They are aware of their purpose. They don't live through life aimlessly or thinking that life is just about self-enrichment, but life has a purpose, a meaning behind it. And they discover what is that purpose so that they can fulfill it. In John chapter 1, it says, Then they said to him, Who are you? that we may give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? This is these people speaking to St. John. He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. His whole self-identity, when people asked him, who are you? His whole self-identity was, I am the one to declare the Lord's coming. This is who he was. I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. St. John defined himself by his relationship to Christ. So when he was asked who he was, his answer was related to Christ. Like when someone asks us, who are you? He says, I am a follower of Christ. I'm a believer in God. I am a Christian. I'm Orthodox. This is my identity. This is the greatest aspect of my identity, right? And so we define ourselves according to who God is and why God made us and what is it that God wants us to do. His service was more important than any other detail. When someone asked him, who are you? He didn't say, I'm the son of Zacharias and Elizabeth. The, the, his purpose was not about how he was born or who his parents were or where he lived or anything. His focus was on why did God place me here? What was my service that I am offering to him? It's what defined his life. And again, we ask ourselves the question, what is it that defines our life? How, how, what defines our decisions? What defines the way we use our time? What defines the places that we go? What defines the way that we think? 
Am I defined by simply my own self-interest? The things that are that I feel are, are in my own interest or the things that are better for me? Or do I define myself according to how I can serve? How can I serve God? How can I fulfill my purpose that God created me for? And I'm aware of this. And I'm conscious of this. And I, and I seek to know, God, what is the talents you have given me that you want me to return to you, that you want me to give to you, that you want me to serve you with? So a person who is uh, a giver is aware of themselves, aware of the purpose and what their calling is. Another characteristic of someone who is a giver is they give of themselves even when they receive no reward at all. And we see this exemplified in the life of St. Paul because he was constantly giving of himself to all of the people that he met, traveling the world, establishing churches, and yet he was given very, very little respect. He was given very little, little reward. There was no reward for him on the earth, but he was stoned, shipwrecked, had to endure hunger, had to endure all kinds of sufferings for the sake of this ministry, and there was nothing that enriched him in this ministry at all. There was nothing that he gained out of it to where someone would desire this life that he lived to say that I want to be like St. Paul because his, his, of the rewards that he received. And actually in, in 2 Corinthians 12, when he was speaking to the Corinthians about how he is pouring himself out for them, and yet he is receiving, receiving so little in return. He says, And I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I am loved. He continued to love them. He continued to serve them. And he said, I am spending, meaning I'm spending like my material things, but I am also being spent. Like my whole life is being exhausted and consumed because of my service to you, because of my love for you, because of my concern for you, and I'm giving of myself completely without reservation, and I'm doing this not because I'm expecting or I'm receiving anything in return, but because I, I'm doing it again for God. I'm, not, I'm doing it out of love. I'm not doing it because I want anything or I'm expecting any kind of reward. And this is the way that God wants us to serve one another. He wants us to serve one another without expectation. And this might be difficult, but how often do we wait for someone to first initiate some kind of act of love toward us before then we reciprocate and we say, okay, now because you were kind to me, because you were warm to me, because you said something good to me, because you gave me what I want, now because you did this to me, I will show you love and I will show you kindness. If all of us feel this way, if all of us act this way, then no one will ever initiate any kind of love because we will all simply be waiting for somebody else to initiate. And this will not be, uh, we cannot say that the body of Christ then would be uh, one that is filled with love because we are all just expecting things from other people instead of initiating that in ourselves. So ultimately, this is what we learn from, from Christ, from St. John the Baptist, from St. Paul, is that we should be the ones who, who serve and do work and show love, not because we expect any kind of reward, except the reward that comes from God. Um, so Abraham when God was speaking with him in Genesis, he said to Abraham, do not be afraid, Abraham, or Abram, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Who is the reward, or what is the reward that Abraham received? Abraham received the reward of God himself. Because actually we know the covenant that God made with Abraham was essentially that the ancestors of Abraham would become a mighty people, the people of God, and they would be so great a number that they couldn't be counted, and they would inhabit the, the promised land that God were to give him. But Abraham in his own life, he never saw this promise fulfilled. 
In, in the life of Abraham, he was still a very, very small clan. He was a very small family. He never saw all these multitudes and the stars and the sand of the seashore and all of this. He didn't see it in his, with his own eyes. He believed it in faith, and it says what? It was accounted to him as righteousness because he believed. So he served God his entire life for the sake of a promise that, that was to be realized after him that he himself was not to see with his own eyes or benefit from himself. And so the reward that Abraham received was not anything physical on the earth, but here as it's God is saying, I am your exceedingly great reward. It, God himself is the reward. The, 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 the experience of God, the relationship with God, the presence of God, he, that was the reward that Abraham received. And all the acts of obedience that we see that Abraham practiced in his life, including sacrificing his own son Isaac, was done as, as, as an act of love toward God, an act of obedience toward God that was never directly rewarded in a way that benefited Abraham on the earth. All of the benefits that, that of the covenant that God had made with him were to be realized later on. Also, we read in Luke 17 about receiving praise. He says what? So likewise you, when you have done all these things which you are commanded, say we are unprofitable servants we have done what was our duty to do meaning even when we serve even when we do good even when we fulfill our responsibilities even when we go above and beyond our responsibilities and show love and kindness to one another even when we serve the church our families when we do everything right what is it that we should expect what christ says is what we should say we are unprofitable servants we have done what was our duty to do Meaning, I should not receive any reward from any, any of these things that I have done. This was my duty. This was my responsibility. This is what I am required to do. And the reward, again, I'm not looking for a reward that comes from the earth or from people that are here or someone to, to grant it to me. I'm looking for the reward that comes only from God, the heavenly reward. And sometimes that reward, we don't see it until after we're gone from here, after we're gone from this place. It requires faith, it requires perseverance, it requires that we trust and we hope for this reward that is to come upon us and that we continue in our faithfulness toward God even when we are not rewarded immediately. So this is the characteristic of someone who gives, someone who wants to give of themselves like the great servants in the scripture, someone who is not seeking a reward or self-enrichment but, but working even if they do not receive those things quickly. Also, another characteristic of, of a person who is a, is a giver is they are willing to accept loss, meaning they are willing to suffer. Not only are they willing not to have some kind of reward, but they are willing to suffer and to lose something for the sake of this service, for the sake of giving that they are um, bestowing on others. In Matthew 16, verse 2, it says, For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What does this mean? It means that in order for us to truly be found in Christ, in order for us to truly live a life of, of union with God, we have to make a choice. That we can't have it both ways. We can't say that I will be in union with God, but I will also be in union with the world. We can't say I'm going to have all the benefits of the world and all of the pleasures of the world and all the desires of the world, but at the same time I will also be a faithful Christian because they are incompatible with one another. He's saying, if you want to, to gain your life, if you want to find your life, then you have to lose your life. You have to choose to leave something behind and to receive something different from God. It is a decision, it is a sacrifice that we make. And, and when we try to do it both, we find frustration, we find 
inability to enjoy God, enjoying the presence of God because we are very much rooted in the world that is preventing us from experiencing God in the fullness that God wants us to experience Him. So this is what he is saying. If you want to be with me, you have to leave all of the things that are against me. Leave all the things that lead you away from me if you want to be with me. This is a choice that you have to make. And we definitely see this in the life of St. John the Baptist. St. John, he lived in the wilderness. He ate locusts and honey. He didn't have any interaction with the world whatsoever. And his whole life, his whole purpose was, again, um, revolving around the idea of being the forerunner of declaring Christ. The greatest servants that we read about in the scripture, they don't worry about what it is that they have, and they don't even worry about losing their own life. All the greatest prophets, all the greatest servants, they were not concerned about their life in any way. They were concerned only about their mission. What is their focus? What is it that I need to be giving to God and, and trusting that God is going to provide for them as needed? And if they lose their life in this ministry, in this service, they are willing to accept it. St. Paul said about himself that he has already been crucified with Christ and it is no longer he who lives but Christ who lives in him. He already gave up his life for the ministry. Once God called him to serve, it was like that the, the Saul, Saul, the person who he was, died on that day and was born the new person who is St. Paul. And the life of St. Paul was a testament to his love and his service for God. And everything that he used to be was dead. And there was nothing that he lived for himself. And maybe for us, this is a, a standard that is very difficult for us that maybe we will never reach to be 100% committed only to the things of God and not to care about anything about our lives, our bodies, or anything. But this is something that we struggle for, something that we strive for, to decrease our importance, to decrease the importance of our life in our own, in our own minds, and to increase the importance of God. Because if we look at things rightly, we see that our life here on earth, as Christ said, is but a mist. It's here for one moment and gone the next. All of the focus that we focus on our life in the end kind of brings us nowhere because our life is not going to last forever. But all the focus that we bring on, on God, the focus on God, the focus on salvation, the focus on serving Him, this will have eternal consequence, will have eternal reward that God will give us. And so all of the great servants, they were willing to sacrifice and lose something here on earth to gain something in heaven because their eyes were always fixed on heaven. They saw heaven before them and heaven was clear. It wasn't like clouded or foggy. They saw it clearly. They saw the spiritual life clearly. They understood God clearly. It wasn't, it wasn't just sentiment. It wasn't just emotion. It wasn't just a far off idea or concept that kind of maybe was in the back of their mind while they lived in this life, but it was the very purpose of their life. The very reason that they lived was to live for God and only Him. And so serving God was easy because they always saw God before them and they didn't feel so attached to the world because the world could not give them truly their heart's desire. Another characteristic of those who give of themselves is that they work tire tirelessly. In Psalm 132, we read, I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. Here the psalmist is speaking about his own effort toward his spiritual life, toward connecting with God. He says, I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids 
until I find a place for the Lord. Meaning, in my life, God is of such importance that it doesn't matter if I'm tired or exhausted because the greatest thing that I'm going to do is to worship God and to be with Him. Those who are the greatest givers are not seeking rest or complaining about the situation that they're in, but they are seeking how they can give of themselves more and more to God. We know maybe the famous story of St. Beshoi, who he wanted to pray so much and enjoy the presence of God that he wouldn't allow himself to sleep and he would tie his hair with a rope so that whenever it is he would begin to doze off and fall asleep his hair would be yanked and he would wake up again to continue in prayer and he did this not because he was forcing himself to do something against his will but because he loved to be with God so much he didn't want to be apart from him even for a moment this is the characteristics of someone who wants to work tirelessly who wants to serve tirelessly, who loves God completely, and there is nothing that they want to allow to be an obstacle between them and God. Sadly, we often find many obstacles that are separating us from God, and instead of trying to separate ourselves from them, we just go with them. Whether they be the desires of the body, whether they be the desires of, of the mind, the things that we pursue, what we dedicate and put our energy into, we might find many times when we are motivated by different things like our career, or other things that are important to us in this life, that even when we are tired, we will force ourselves to work. We will force ourselves to wake up early. We will force ourselves to do different activities because we know they are important and because we want to succeed. And yet, when it comes to the spiritual life, maybe we find ourselves doing the opposite. That the first time I begin to feel tired, or I feel lazy, or I feel like I'm not in the mood, I will very quickly or easily neglect any kind of spiritual activity or prayer or fasting or coming to church or reading the Bible or listening to sermons, anything. Any kind of spiritual activity that I do, maybe that's one of the first things that I give up when I'm tired and I excuse myself because I say, well, I'm tired and exhausted. But then there are many other things that we do that even when we are tired and exhausted, we know that we must do them because they are necessary for our life. So again, with the psalmist, we say, I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. That every day we find time with God and that we seek him out. The last characteristic of a giver that I want to mention is someone who gives despite reproach. In 1 Corinthians 4.12, St. Paul says, Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we endure. Being defamed, we entreat. Not just when we are praised, not just when we are encouraged, not just when people treat us well, but even when we are mistreated, that we serve and we show love to one another. Many times, people who used to be in the church will leave because someone offended them. Someone said something to them that was unpleasant, insensitive, uh, that they shouldn't have said, and this causes this person, because of their offense, to, to leave completely to not feel like they want to stay in the church anymore because of the people. The people have done this to me. The people have said this to me. And I can understand that it is very unpleasant when someone says something insensitive or some, something insulting. But at the same time, what is it that we are here to do? We are not here just to have a social life. We're not here just to mingle and to talk with one another. We're here to worship God and to receive salvation from God, to partake of the Eucharist and to become one with Christ. And that should not be something that we allow anything at all in the world to separate us from. And this is our decision, this is our choice, that I'm giving of myself to God and that I'm giving myself to others. When Christ was speaking to the people about loving their enemies and what is the true definition of love, he says even sinners love those who love them. 
If you, if you love those people who love you, that doesn't make you any better than, than a sinful, wicked person. Because even the sinful, wicked people love others who love them. But if you want to exhibit the Christian love, then you love those who hate you. This is, this is a, a sign of the Christian love. This is a sign of sanctification. Not just loving those people who like you, because this is maybe very common for all of us. Giving despite reproach. Giving despite being hated. Giving despite... You know, the people that I'm giving to, I'm not the biggest fans of them. I'm, they're not my best friends. They're not the people that I would, you know, prefer to spend time with. I'm giving of myself because this is what God has called me to do, is to give. And through giving of myself in various ways, I am exhibiting the love of God and actually sharing this love with others, bringing other people to God and to salvation. People who give despite reproach, they place God before themselves and they are satisfied by being in the presence of God and fulfilling their purpose regardless of if they receive praise for people or if they re receive reproach from people. It does not matter to them. So we spoke about several characteristics of a person who is a giver. We said first they are driven by a purpose beyond themselves. They see themselves as a part of a greater plan, a greater plan of God, and they ask, what is my purpose so that I can fulfill it? The second characteristic is they are aware of this purpose. They've asked God to reveal it to them so they know what, who is it that they are and what is it they should be doing. The third is they give of themselves even when they receive no reward at all in the, on the earth because they are looking only for the heavenly reward. Fourth, they are willing to accept loss, meaning they are willing to, to, to suffer even for the sake of this purpose and forgiving of themselves. Number five, they work tirelessly, even when they are exhausted, even when they have no energy, they give of themselves. And finally, number six, they give despite reproach, despite insult, despite any obstacle from anyone, they choose to continue to give. So may God grant us the spirit of St. John the Baptist and all the great servants in the scripture who pleased God from the very beginning and that we see their example of how they gave of themselves, gave of their life completely fixated upon heaven and not on the earth, giving of themselves to the very end and that we could fulfill this in the church. We could fill this among one another and truly be the body of Christ so that all those around us in the world living in darkness would see us and they would desire to be like us and they would desire to have what we have because they see what we have is so special and unique and glory be to God forever. Amen.